so dynamic, so magnetic, so effervescent, so full of energy and vitality. Is it Herman? No. Is it Sherman? No. Is it Eddie? Is it Freddie? Oh, no, no, no. Is it Hart? Is it Shatner? Is it March, perhaps? Oh, you'll never, never guess it. Don't snap your cap. Is just Miss Judy Garland. Here's the little gal who's earned a number one priority in your pinup department, both in your barracks wall and in your heart, Judy Garland. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heartstrings. From the moment I saw him, I fell. Hey, everybody. This is Mindy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Old Time Radio. Next in the Judy Garland series is her appearance on Mail Call from January 9th, 1943. She's joined by Groucho Marx, and I've had the privilege of listening to these old radio shows for over a year now, and I can't remember a time that Groucho popped up on one of these, so it was a good opportunity for me to see how his humor translated into radio. He was a very, obviously, physical comedian. He had, a, you know, the eyebrows and the mustache and the cigar and just that classic, iconic mug that he did when he told jokes. And not having that at his disposal was interesting. I, I could see it clearly, obviously, as we listen to it. I, you can easily imagine all of that there. He's one of these people to me that the prepared material isn't necessarily my favorite kind of humor, but when he breaks character or he just quips something, I I usually think it's really funny and I'll laugh. And he did make me laugh a couple of times. Near, I think it was near the end of this skit that he does with Betty Grable, who was there playing his mother, even though she's 26 years younger than him. And uh, lots and lots of jokes about that being the renowned sex symbol that she was. Um, you know, and this whole insuring legs and body parts for a million dollars kind of thing, I thought that started with Tina Turner because she did the legs commercials and had the the legendary pair herself. But it started at least as far back as Betty Grable, and it was for a publicity stunt that she had those legs insured for a million bucks. And that's what they look like in the iconic poster from 1943, where she's got her rear end to the camera and she's wearing a swimsuit so those legs are showing and she's offering a very happy cheeky pose no pun intended <laughs> and over her shoulder back to the camera that was considered the number one poster for the boys in world war ii then of course there's judy on there uh, she sings i never knew uh, but my favorite part actually of this entire program was when she starts to teach Jose Aturbi, how to swing and jive. And he was, you know, classically trained, world-renowned pianist. So it was kind of funny to me and just sweet and endearing to listen to this uh, mock music lesson. Uh, but, it, but it plays off beautifully. I, I really enjoyed it. And Jose Aturbi, I actually had a moment of like, I know that name. I know, I know that name. <laughs> and it's because I had just watched Anchors Away, which was the first pairing of Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly. And if you're having trouble remembering, this is the movie where Gene Kelly dances with Jerry the Mouse. So I have actually been watching quite a few Gene Kelly movies, and it started because of his pairings with Judy. And I am a huge fan. I just 
adore him. He's he's so hammy at times, but then, you know, there's a sincerity there. And of course, the dancing, it's just, he's great. He's great. His friendship with Judy, everything I've ever read about it, things that he said, things that Gene Kelly's wife said, things that Judy said, things people in Judy's life said, they, they seem to have a very warm, real, and just fantastic friendship that we'll talk about a little bit more uh, in some upcoming programs. Because speaking of Gene Kelly, which I'm always happy to do now, a couple of months before this aired, the movie For Me and My Gal was released, and that was Gene Kelly's debut. I finally got a chance to watch that and all the movies they did together. And gosh, it was great. They're just two people that light up the screen and they, you know, have fun with each other. And for me, my guy was actually not exactly what I expected it to be, but we'll get into that. We're going to hear the radio version of that and I'll be happy to gush all about it then. (laughs) So look forward to that. But for now, sit back and enjoy Judy giving a music lesson to the legendary Jose Iturbi. From January 1943, this is Mail Call. Mail Call from the United States of America. Stand by, Americans. Stand by, fighting men of the United Nations. Here's your special delivery airmail letter from the United States. It's mail call, an open letter to you from any American with anything worth saying, playing, or singing. It's mail call, the biggest slice of America we can send you in one radio envelope. Okay, America, start writing. Hey, Groucho, Groucho, Groucho Marx. Whatever happened to Groucho Marx? That's what I keep asking myself. But I never get an answer. I think I'll turn it over to a detective agency. Look, uh, Groucho, you're supposed to start this letter. Uh, I don't want you to think I'm hammy, Bill, but the least you can do is give me an introduction. After all, I haven't seen so many people since I had my relatives out for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Well, I'd be glad to introduce you, Groucho, but on this program, you just walk up without an introduction and start talking. Oh, no, you don't. I tried that once with a blonde and got slapped silly. (laughs) Well, all right. (laughs) All right, if you insist. Attention, men of the armed forces. In the past, as most of you know, Mail Call has brought you the top-notch guest stars of the entertainment world, such as Mickey Rooney, Edgar Bergen, Bing Crosby, Barbara Stanwyck, and others. But as you all know, all good things come to an end. After all, how long can we keep up that pace? So tonight, we bring you Groucho Marx. What a reception. What an ovation. <laughs> I can get a bigger hand than that just showing my spare tire. <laughs> and another thing, Goodman, I didn't come down here to be insulted. I can stay home and be insulted. Now, wait, Groucho, I wasn't trying to insult you. I thought you'd be happy to have your name linked with big stars, especially Barbara Stanwyck. Sure, link me with Barbara Stanwyck. That's how those things always start. Scandal mongers like you dishing out date. It's going to look great in the morning when Robert Taylor picks up the paper and reads where Groucho Marx is going around with Barbara Stanwyck. Don't forget, Bob Taylor reads the papers. Don't think that just because he's a movie star, he can't read. <laughs> now, wait, Groucho, I didn't say that you were going with Barbara Stanwyck. You don't have to say it. It'll be in all the papers tomorrow. <laughs> you may not know, but it's generally known that Barbara Stanwyck and Robert Taylor are married. What's Robert Taylor going to think about this? Better still, what's Barbara going to think of it? 
Well, I'm sorry if I said anything to get you in trouble. Sure, now you're sorry after the damage is done. <laughs> Normally, I wouldn't mind a little vicious gossip. But at the moment, I happen to be running around Hedy Lamar. I mean, running around with Hedy Lamar. <laughs> in the future, I'll thank you to watch your tongue. You watch your tongue, and I'll watch Hedy Lamar. I didn't say you were going with Hedy Lamar. I said Robert Taylor is going with Barbara Stanwyck. Oh, now you've got Robert Taylor running around with Barbara Stanwyck. This is a fine state of affairs. A man running around with his own wife. <laughs> what are the neighbors going to think? Suppose Judy Garland should walk in here and say, Hiya, Groucho, right out of a clear blue sky. Hiya, Groucho, right out of a clear blue sky. It's a good thing for that cue it isn't raining. <laughs> you see, these days a man's not safe in his own radio studio. See you later, man. Hiya, fellas. This is Judy Garland. There's one thing you can say about this letter. It sure isn't formal. I guess this mail call microphone gets more surprises than any other mic on radio because so many different people drop in to send a paragraph through it. Of course, the important thing is where it comes out, through your loudspeakers up there in Alaska or over the box bee kits in North Africa or through your headphones on the seven seas. Gee, everybody here at home is really anxious for his turn on mail call. And when we get here, we really want to make the most of every second. So let's stop the talk and start the tune. And it's I Never Knew. I've been running in circles while playing the game of pretending. I didn't realize. I wasn't wise what love could do Now I'm facing a future That hasn't that one happy ending And I'm a fool, I guess To confess it all to you I'm loving you I didn't realize What a pair of eyes And a baby smile could do I can't sleep I can't eat I never knew a single soul Could be so sweet I never knew I could love anybody, honey, like I'm loving you. I can't sleep and I can't eat. I never knew a single soul could be so sweet. I never knew I could.
fellow fighting men of the United Nations. This is Jose Turbi. For many years, I have been privileged to appear as concert pianist and conductor before the most distinguished audiences. But the most exciting performance of my career happened a few months ago. And I wasn't even there. I learned about it from a naval officer who had just returned from action in the South Pacific. He was on board of an American fighting ship which had sunk several enemy naval vessels. He told me that one group of men, while at their battle stations waiting for contact with the enemy, played a portable phonograph to relieve the tension. I cannot tell you how proud I was to learn that some of my records were among those players. Tonight, that ship is on the high seas again, and I hope those men are listening, because I would like to dedicate a number to them. I have chosen Sevillana by Albeniz.
Turby, that was really beautiful. Thank you, Judy. I'm glad you like it. I've always admired your artistry, Mr. Turby. I've listened to you in Carnegie Hall and on records. I'm honored, Judy. There's only one thing. I've been thinking that I'd like to... Well... What? Well, I, I, I don't know how to say it. I... And now, I'll wait it, Judy. After all, we are all friends. You can be frank. Oh, thanks. Well... Yes? Well, don't you think you're a little bit long hair? Long hair? What do you mean, Judy? Don't you ever want to let yourself go at the keyboard? Let myself go? Get groovy. Groovy? <laughs> sure. Make with a jive. You know something, Judy? All my life, I have dreamed of changing my piano style so that I wouldn't have to wear those awful Steve starched wing collars every time I play. Well, Boogie Woogie's the answer. Honest, Mr. Turby, I dreamed about it myself only last night. Get this picture. Carnegie Hall, opening night, thousands of people. Slowly the house lights dim. There's a moment's hush. Everyone's waiting, eyes on stage. Then you come out. A burst of applause. You sit down at the piano, and you start to play. Then you stop. Perhaps it was something that hit me. Perhaps it was something I ate. But out of the blue, I dreamed I met you. And you said to me, Hiya, Gate. Millions have heard you play Chopin. The critics applaud and approve, but millions more would simply adore to hear you get in the Fascinating. Tell me, how can I get in the groove? Gate? <laughs> well, Mr. Turby, you take your left hand and you pound out an eight beat. Da, 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 da. That's it, you got it. Now double the octave. Now you take your right hand and you go like this. Now roll that's the idea. There's nothing wrong here about that, Mr. Turby. Now you're really cooking with Sterno. <laughs> Judy, I think you have given me a musical haircut. <laughs> well, Professor, let's get it. down at Carnegie Hall. Instead of stars, they play Irving Berlin. Instead of prompts, it's begin the begin. 
down to Carnegie Hall. They're playing Cicciata, Cicciata, with Shostakovich. Cicciata, Cicciata, Mozart and Bach. Cicciata, Cicciata, and they don't know which, because anything can happen when they start to rock. The Philharmonies were so dignified, but now they're moving and starting to rise. Handel and Haydn, the bass and the wall, cause the joint is really jumping down to Carnegie Hall. Again, man, this is Groucho Marx and family. <laughs> Groucho, what do you mean, family? Well, Bill, when you asked me to appear in this program, I thought it would be a nice gesture if I brought my mother along. Oh, well, that is a nice gesture, Groucho. Thanks, Bill. Well, fellas, I, I don't like to brag about my mother, but uh, I think she represents the typical American mother, and I'd like you to meet her. Mom! Oh, Mom! Would you please come out here to the mic? Oh, Mom! Gentlemen, this is my mother. Gentlemen, this is my mother, Mrs. Betty Grable Marks. <laughs> Betty, I, I mean, Mom, uh, Mom is blushing. It's, it's been many years since the fellows whistled at her. Hello, everybody. It's awfully nice to be here. Mom, I'd like you to meet our announcer, Bill Wolf Goodwin. <laughs> my, what a cute little fellow. <laughs> oh, please, Miss Grable, put me down. <laughs> Not even in the script. <laughs> and how would you like to be my son, Mr. Goodwin? Yeah, Bill, how would you like to have her for your mother? Well, I'd like it, and so would my father. <laughs> yes, and so would your grandfather. I'm sure glad I brought you down here with me, Mom. Don't forget, fellas, write to your mother. <laughs> but don't write to my mother. Look, Bill, isn't she everything I said she was and, and more? Yeah, more. But, uh, Groucho, isn't she a little young to be your mother? Well, Mr. Goodwin, haven't you ever seen a 23-year-old mother before? Well, yes, but not with a 4F son. <laughs> I'm really a 5G. <laughs> a fellow with two heads. Well, Mom, how do you like being here talking to the men in our armed forces all over the world? Oh, it's wonderful, Junior. I'm just sorry that I can't be right there to kiss them all goodnight. Oh, they don't need you. The first sergeant takes care of them. 
Oh, gee, I'd like to have someone kiss me goodnight. Oh, are you lonesome, Mr. Goodwin? Look, Mom, don't worry about him. He's strong enough to take care of himself. I'm the one who needs babying. You know, Mom, when I look at you, I, I can never understand why Father left you. You know, Junior, I'm glad he's gone. You think he'll ever come back, and what can I do to keep him away? <laughs> well, why did he leave in the first place? Well, I don't know. You see, right after I adopted Groucho, my husband became insanely jealous. Yes, and for nothing at all. It all started one day when he walked into my nursery and overheard me telling Mumsy to take out more insurance on him. <laughs> and he, he left home just for that? Well, that and the fact that I was smoking your cigars. <laughs> oh, now, wait, Groucho. Were you smoking cigars when you were a baby? Well, just little cigars, you know. <laughs> There's nothing like a good cigar after a bottle of warm milk. <laughs> I used to love to drink my milk and then curdle up in my mother's lap. Oh, now, isn't that silly? Imagine my husband being jealous of a little baby like Groucho. Well, Mom, maybe it's best that he left. After all, he did worry you a lot. Why, overnight, your hair turned prematurely blonde. Groucho, I'd like to adopt Bill Goodwin. You do a thing like that, and I'll leave home. And I'll take you with me. I'd love to be alone with you for a few minutes. Betty, what woman wouldn't? <laughs> I took an awful chance with that line. Ah. Groucho, do you think we could get rid of uh, B-I-L-L-G-O-O-D-W-I-N? Oh, that's easy. Listen, Bill, uh, if you'll leave us alone for a few minutes, uh, I'll buy you some I-C-E-K-R-E-A-M. <laughs> oh, all right, I'll go. You don't have to bribe me with cigars. <laughs> well, that takes care of him. Now, Betty, what's on your mind? I know what's on mine. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, Groucho, but, well, there's something burning inside of me that I've been wanting to tell you for a long time. Groucho, it's love. Betty, you've made me the happiest man in the whole world. Well, but Groucho, you see, uh... If I had only known, I'd, I'd have worn my toupee. <laughs> well, I've got bad news for you, Groucho. It isn't you. I've got bad news for you, too, Betty. I haven't got a toupee. <laughs> That's a funny switch, huh? You know, you're sort of a legendary character, and I understand an expert on love. I'm a Vine Street Casanova. <laughs> Well, Betty, I should be an expert on love. I roomed with Tommy Manville for three years. The room must have been awfully crowded. There's an answer to that, but I can't use it. Now, Betty, uh... Now, Betty, what would you like to know about love? Well, now, look, I've been going with a fellow for a long time, and I can't get him to pop the question. Betty, uh, perhaps he doesn't love you. Love me? Why, he's crazy about me. He comes to see me every night. Does he come alone or does he bring his wife? <laughs> now, you know I wouldn't go out with a married man. Well, if you get married, you'll have to go out with a married man. <laughs> but why go out with a married man and break up your home? No, Betty, my advice to you is to marry a single fellow. But he is a single man, Groucho. I'm sorry, Betty, but if you want me to be of any assistance, you'll have to tell me everything. Now, why don't you take me through a typical evening at home with your boyfriend? Tell me everything. Well, all right. Now, let's see. 
At 8 o'clock, our doorbell rings. I know. Everybody hides. You think it's the landlord. <laughs> I rush over to the door, and there he is, that big hunk of man. I usher him into the living room, and we sit on the couch. Doesn't he say hello? <laughs> he looks at me for a half hour, then I look at him for a half hour. Well, there's an hour shot to pieces. <laughs> Now what happens? Well, after that, he tells me all the things he's been doing at the office during the day. There goes another hour. <laughs> now, during this dreary palaver, does he have his arm around you? No, he can't. My father is sitting on the couch. <laughs> that shouldn't stop him from putting his arm around you. But father is sitting between us. <laughs> Where's your mother? Oh, well, she went with my brother over to his girl's house. <laughs> Your folks certainly trust you, kids <laughs> Now, Tommy, what happens around 9.30? Around 9.30, Father takes an apple out of his pocket and starts to polish it Does he blow on it first? <laughs> then Charlie sees the moon shining through the window You mean Charlie is still awake? <laughs> and he suggests that we go out into the garden and sit on the bench that's the first smart move he's made. <laughs> now, when you're seated on the bench in the garden, does uh, Charlie uh, put his arm around you? No, he can't. Father is still sitting between us. <laughs> Why? What happened to the apple? <laughs> but Charlie and I just love it there in the garden. It's so peaceful and quiet. The stars are dancing in the sky, and the moon is shining down on Father's apple. <laughs> Doesn't your old man wear a hat? <laughs> and the only sound that breaks the stillness of the night is the sound of the frogs as they croak. I'll bet Charlie would like to hear your old man do that. <laughs> now it's about 10.30, and Charlie takes off his gloves. You know, Charlie sounds like a pretty hot lover. <laughs> I'll bet by 11 he'll take his hat off. <laughs> Then we go back into the house. You see, Father is getting pretty cold. I imagine by this time, Charlie's getting pretty cold, too. <laughs> now, when we get back in the living room, we all sit down on the couch. Then Father gets bored and starts to yawn. Are you sure he's bored? Yes, because by this time, Mother has joined us. Oh, yes, and my brother, too. Must be pretty crowded on the couch by now. <laughs> Tell me, what's happened to Charlie? Charlie's sitting on the floor. Polishing father's apple. How long has this apple been in the family? Oh, I don't know, Groucho, but I wish you could tell me how I can get Charlie to marry me. Betty, the solution is very simple. Put your mother and father on the couch. Put your brother on relief. Send Charlie to the fruit store for a bag of apples. Give the apples to your father, pull the bag over Charlie's head, and don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. Anybody... Listen, if we don't close this letter, we'll miss the mail. We better all sign it so we can seal the envelope. I'll put down my Jan Hancock, or uh, my Groucho Marx, to be more exact. Yours very truly, John Hancock. And this is Mrs. Hancock. Bella, here's a little something I wish I could deliver to each one of you in person. It goes like this. Love, Betty Grable. 
Yes, man. There are many ways to sign letters. I like to make mine a musical one at the piano. Like this. <laughs> Very sincerely, Jose Turby. That's well, Mr. Turby. That goes for all of us. You know, fellas, we get to sign this letter to you, but actually, we're just holding the pen for your folks and your girlfriend and your kid sister. So I'll sign yours with love. One hundred and thirty-one million nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine folks at home, plus Judy Garland. mail call this trip. Another letter from home will be coming your way the next time you hear... <laughs> mail call is produced for you servicemen of the United Nations by the Special Service Division of the War Department of the United States of America. This program has been a part of our English language shortwave service.